Hey, welcome back to Crimes and Closets. This is Christy in my closet in St. Louis. And this is Beth in my closet in North Carolina. Happy Monday, Beth. Happy Monday, Christy. <sighs> Week two. <laughs> Serial killers, right? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, man. People were shocked by Kelly. Well, they should have Nobody had heard of her. Nope. Yeah. Mm-mm. She's a she's a piece, that one. Yep. Mm-hmm. P-O-S. <laughs> yeah. Um, while we're while we're on the topic, we've been on the topic for about five seconds. But while we're on the topic, uh, we are gonna do a live people. Yes, people at the end of the month on September twenty-fifth. Twenty-fifth. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you remembered the date because I was about to open my calendar. Because Beth will be in the loo. I know. We keep talking about it, but now we're actually in the month. Man, I've been bad about my countdown. I normally do like at least a 30-day. Right. Which I did send one or two, I feel like, to you guys. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah. You did did send a 30-day, but you haven't sent, I don't think, since, honestly. Yeah. I don't know how many days it is from now, but woohoo! Well, yes. So she'll be in the loo, and so we decided to do another live since we'll be together to kind of close out Serial Killer. So it'll be the day the last one drops. Mm-hmm, which is Monday. Which is Monday the 25th. The 25th. And that mm-hmm. evening, we will get on live on probably YouTube, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then and just chat about it. Ask You can ask questions if you want, or you can send us questions in advance, I guess. Oh, that's fun. In case somebody can't get on there and figure it out i don't know yep. but we'll, we'll be on questions we'll be on about serial killers questions about whatever yeah anything so yeah we're gonna what have a lot we say? to say 7 p.m i don't think we set a time but okay. seven's great seven okay. central right central mm-hmm. okay yes cool okay okay um also while we're talking about business we have a patreon uh sandy joined our closet over there so thank you so much, Sandy. Welcome in. Yes. Welcome, Sandy. We thank love, you. We love it. We've got survivors over there. We talk about it all the time. They're fantastic. Mm-hmm. One yes. already. That was a crazy one. I have to tell you guys. Christy was the first survivor. It came out September 1st. First. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. So it was the first thing to drop for the September extravaganza. And her case that she did is the most, I don't even know how to word it. It's shocking. Interesting and shocking of all of the cases that we do all of September here on this feed and on the Patreon. The most. It's probably true. Um, Somebody commented on the Patreon saying that she's never audibly gasped. Yeah. Like at a case. And this one she did. (laughs) That's right. Yes. It is literally a real survivor story if there ever was one in such a big way. Like Judy Malinowski vibes as far Mm -hmm. as like the things that this survivor went through. Great case. So if you ever are interested in Patreon, now's the time. Okay. Um, I want to talk to you about something really quick. So there's a new season of The Bachelor. I know you love The Bachelor. You and your friends love The Bachelor. You do Mm -hmm. Bachelor nights. Okay. I am telling you right now. Right now I am committing to you that I will watch this season. Because (laughs) I'm going to tell you, it is... And you can probably speak more to this. The Golden Bachelor. So it's Mm -hmm. older folks. Yes. Not these like young and everyone looks the same. Sorry, no offense. I know they're not, but it is like that. Mm -hmm. If you've seen one season, you've seen them all. That's how Mm -hmm. I feel about it. 100%. They're all the same. Not this one. I saw interviews with some of these women. Mm -hmm. Love them. Mm -hmm. Love them so much. Like Mm -hmm. it's giving me, you know, I watch Desperate Housewives and Sister Wives. Clearly I like like older (laughs) reality shows with people who are not young this is my this is my season I commit to you that I will be giving this bachelor season a try and you can text me every Monday night because I'm gonna watch oh my gosh I'm so excited I'm I'm so sad now that when you're here is like literally you leave the day before it starts (laughs) otherwise you could have been here for the oh wait is it not on Monday nights well the first one's on Thursday Oh, that is a bummer. I don't, I, I'm wondering if they switched it because it'll be like Monday night football season. And so they don't want to uh, do that is what I'm guessing. Sense. But there's well, also a Thursday night game. So I don't know. I'm actually excited about it. And I just wanted to share this with you. I've been waiting to tell you this since last week. I made the decision within myself that I was going to be joining you for the season of The Bachelor. 
I feel like we're probably going to talk about it on the podcast. So I'm so <laughs> at least excited. on Patreon. So he is um, 70, like seven years old or something like that. Like he's in his seventies and yeah. all the women, I, I follow this um, account called bachelor at windmill. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to send you a, uh, one of their posts, but they posted recently, like all of the people with their names, but they mm-hmm. were going off of like an interview. I think like that was just giving snippets of them. And so they were screenshotting when their face and their name and age were on the screen. And some mm-hmm. of them, I, I was like, who decided to totally screw these people up and with the faces that they were making? Because some oh, of them were no, like, because flattering. they were just like taking screenshots when the mm-hmm. name popped up. And I, it didn't matter what face. <laughs> and it's just like, <laughs> it's like you taking our our snippets yes. and sending it to me. We always look so crazy just. when we record. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. So anyway, okay. Well, there it is. Christmas came early. <laughs> I know best gift ever. Yeah. Okay. That's all I wanted to tell you. All right. Well, if that's all you got, then I guess we can dive into this next serial killer. Oh, let's do that. Here we go. Hey friends, we just wanted to hop back on here to acknowledge the fact that today is September 11th and we all know what that means and we all have certain feelings about it. I don't know if (laughs) Beth um, has anything that. Well, I think it's just a very, you know, like being in the U.S., we have a very um, distinct memory Mm -hmm. in our lifetime of the happenings of that day. We all know where we were. We all know what we were doing and we all know what we felt when Mm -hmm. we learned what was actually happening. And it was impactful for all of us. It was traumatic for all of us Mm -hmm. and it's still traumatic for a lot of people. So we wanted to acknowledge it because this episode is dropping on that day. Right. And I don't know that it's ever dropped on the actual day. And I don't know, it just hit us to say, to make sure that we acknowledge it and being from New York and being there when it happened. I don't know. It, it hits, it hits a little bit differently, I'm sure for different people, but I grew up in New York. I um, have a lot of friends that were in the building at the time. My best friend's father was in the building at the time and didn't make it out. Um, And I just remember that time being, just, I don't know. I, I don't even know if I can explain it. Like going home from work every day and going to, straight to her house to call hospitals and just be there and wondering where he is. And then the day that it happened, Emery not being able to get in touch with me because all the cell towers were down. And like, anyway, it's and he just- he wasn't in New York at the time, right? He wasn't. He was in Wisconsin right. still. So anyway, our thoughts and prayers are always with the families of people who perished, the survivors of the people who were there that day, because I can't even imagine what your memories are like. If my memories are as vivid as they are being somewhat removed from it, I was Mm -hmm. there, but I wasn't there. (laughs) So anyway, our thoughts and prayers are with everyone today. And I just wanted to acknowledge that, I guess. That's right. Yes. And thank you for sharing that. Um, and to the first responders and to anyone who risked their lives to help um, with the aftermath or the math mm-hmm. that was going on as it was happening. Like, we appreciate you. We see you. Um, we acknowledge you and your life. And um, we as a podcast definitely want to just remember. We just want to mm-hmm. remember. Our country yes. is at this point built on that. Mm -hmm. Um, there was a before and after this is the after and it matters and we care and we love anyone who was involved or anyone who was impacted or traumatized or just anyone who has a memory. So Mm -hmm. happy Patriots day. We love you. hundred percent. We love you. Okay. Thank you for listening. Beth cannot believe that we are this into Serial killer September. I know it's only yeah. second week, but we're like week in. Two. We're in it. <laughs> in it. Let's see in if it. we win it. 
<sighs> we will. <laughs> we do. We always do. Anyway. We nail him. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do have to say that researching this person was just a bit more fun than usual. Okay. <laughs> well, because serial killers are not fun. No, they're not fun. I mean, researching murder in general is not fun, but sometimes you just like, I think it's just so interesting and fascinating that you just like, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. So it feels like it's a fun experience. So that's and really. It's fun. so different for us too. Yeah. To like right. talk about murders because we just not our focus. We never right. hyper focus on the killer and serial killers. We do have to do yeah. that, which is why we unless like it's that. a situation where like that's the only person we know information of because of right. the circumstances. But yeah, we try to typically victimize it or not victimize it. You know what I mean? Is that the word? Our our format is victim centric. Victim centric. Yeah. Big words. Big words. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I have brain power because I'm yeah, not. You doing got rid of yours. Today. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. So. I say she's fun because although she did do some heinous crimes, they're just not, I want to, I'm thinking they're not as gruesome as others, but it mm-hmm. still is, but it's just not like, you know, as like Kelly Cochran last week. Yeah. 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 Like Understood. the possibility of like eating this person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. So anyway, <clears throat> this week we are discussing Dorothea Puente. Oh, Puente. Yes. Well, it's unfortunate. Dorothea is a really pretty name. It is. Because every time I typed it, I was like saying it in my head. And I'm like, that's so pretty. I wish like, it, is. it was used more. But mm-hmm. She was suggested to us by Kaylee over on Facebook. Oh, the and other I Kaylee. The other Kaylee that I was like, is it the same one? Nope. Two, two different last names. Um, And I chose her for a couple of reasons. One, Kaylee suggested her like over a year ago. And I was like. I mean, and I know people understand we only do serial killers once a year. Well, typically. Mm -hmm. But I was just like, well, it's one of the later ones. Let's just get it. Let's do it. And I've also already seen a documentary on her in the past. And so I was like, well, I kind of know this. So let me just make kind of an easier one to get started on. Because she was on that Worst Roommate Ever show, which you have seen too. Yes. Yes. That's over on Netflix, and she's the very first episode in that series. I don't know that they got very far into it, honestly. I don't remember. You know, I don't even know that I watched many, if any, episodes past hers. It it wasn't my favorite. No, it's not my favorite. And maybe that's why I didn't make it. I think maybe they had like four or three, and we watched them, but I have literally the only one I have a memory of is her. Okay. So clearly it didn't like stick with me. But anyway. It's a good, it, that part, this episode was good because she's just an interesting person. So anyway. Tell me also, all I, about her. I just think it's funny to name it worst roommate ever. And then when you find out what she did and you're like, crap, yeah, she's the worst roommate ever. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Anyways. Um, I also watched a two-part documentary called Murders at the Bo- Boarding House. Oh. And a lot of my information from that one. Okay. So. Dorothea was born Dorothea Helen Gray on January 9th, 1929 in Redlands, California. Are you Capricorn? Oh, okay. Hmm. Fantastic. <laughs> does, oh, I forgot to anything? mention too, Kelly, my mm-hmm. one from last week is a Gemini. And that's all I'm going to say about that. But anyway, go ahead. Okay. This doesn't mean anything to me. So <laughs> the people will know. <laughs> okay. Okay. She was the sixth of seven children to Trudy May Gray and Jesse James Gray. Jesse James? Jesse James Gray. Jesse was a cotton picker. Oh. Both of her parents were alcoholics, though. Hmm. Her father had threatened to kill himself in front of the children multiple times and even tried to hang himself on one occasion. Oh, no. Not the best upbringing, just based on that. He ended up dying of tuberculosis in 1937, when so she was only like, what, eight years old. Mm-hmm. Her mother was a prostitute and would lose custody of her children and then die a year after their father passed, which was in 1938, in a motorcycle accident, which hmm. I don't know why, but when I first typed that up, it sounds stupid now. I'm like, there were motorcycles back then? Because I was just <laughs> thinking like 1938, like, really? They already had them? Uh huh. I don't know. Anyway, I don't know. I mean, obviously, 
obviously dumb Christy moment probably, but anyway. <laughs> okay. So I believe that they were all sent to live with relatives at first, but then they ended up in an orphanage where Dorothea oh. was sexually abused. Oh no. Oh, it is. I tell you, you always feel bad for the kid in right. them. It's such trauma. Because honestly, would she have grown up to be the person she is had she not had all of these experiences as a young child? Right. She had like a stable upbringing and all that. Not to say that there are people who don't have, I mean, clearly last week is an example, stable upbringing, right. but something in there just clicks and whatever. Yep. But a lot of these pe- cases, I'm like, oh, what if? So mm-hmm. anyway, Dorothea would end up in Washington State. I don't really know how she got there, but she traveled up there and met Fred McFall. Okay. And got married for the first time in 1945 at the age of 16. Okay. She would have two children with Fred. The first child she sent to live with relatives, and the second Mm. one she placed up for adoption because she didn't want anything to do with having kids, apparently. Well, okay. I I don't know. She also had one miscarriage during this marriage. Oh, okay. Fred would leave Dorothea in 1948, and that same year she was arrested for using forged checks and was sentenced to four months in jail and three years probation. Wow. Is that, why did he leave her? Um, you know, it didn't say, but I want to say it's probably, well, no, I did see things. She's pretty unstable person. Okay. And just like the ups and downs, people would just get, because she was married more than once, you'll find out. And they all just end up walking away from her because it's like, what the hell? Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So then she moves to San Francisco, California, where she met a seaman. Which is basically like somebody in the Navy, mm-hmm. but they use the word seaman, mm-hmm. I am which so I know sorry. you can't handle right now. I cannot. Okay. Mm-hmm. Axel Bren. Yeah, you are a little bit. Oh, welcome to certain words. Yes. Um, his name was Axel Bren Johansson, and he was much older than her. They would get married in 1952, and Axel would be gone a lot of the time because he was a seaman. And Dorothea became a prostitute during those years and even started running her own brothel. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. An undercover officer would become a customer and Dorothea would be arrested in 1960 and would spend 90 days in jail. And when she got out, she would drink a lot and try and hurt herself. And so Axel eventually had her committed for a short time in 1961. And while she was there, they diagnosed her as a pathological liar and had an unstable personality. Mm-hmm. Things went downhill for her after that. And her oh, marriage... after that, things were downhill? Yeah. Yes. yes. The whole, Not like, until... working in a brothel. Like... Yeah. Okay. Until this point, things were, like, on the up and up. And now, yeah, are right. go downhill. So... Oh, gosh. Axel and Dorothea would divorce in 1966. So he actually stuck around for quite a bit, but probably because he wasn't around her all that right. much. Because he was in, in the Navy. Right. Um, she then moved to the Sacramento area and started to help people in need. She would become somewhat of a well-known philanthropist in the what? area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a turn. It is a turn. She, I mean, not really, but she would financially support organizations that helped children wanting to advance their education. And this is where she met Roberto Jose Puente. Okay. And married him in 1966. So like not. Long after, I mean, like within the year, she's uh-huh. married to someone else. Their marriage would only last 16 months. Okay. Apparently, he was abusive. There's not a whole lot of, out on that. Okay. In 1978, which I think I read somewhere where, like, she tried to serve him divorce papers and then he fled to Mexico to avoid her. But anyway, you know, like, it was like a weird situation, but whatever. They end up getting divorced. In 1978, Dorothea was convicted of illegally cashing federal and state checks belonging to her tenants because she was like running boarding houses for people like who were homeless or were alcoholics and needed a place to stay. Like mm-hmm. anyway, so she was, she took their money. She, yeah, she was taking their checks and forging them and cashing them illegally. Mm-hmm. So she was sentenced at that point to five years probation. So when I said, you said she like 
<clears throat> took a turn and like became a philanthropist, philanthropist. She was stealing from the poor mm-hmm. <laughs> to help the poor. Like, so yeah, she was helping people, but she was stealing mm-hmm. from these poor innocent people also. Yeah. To do it. So in January and only getting five years probation. Cause I guess they're like, well, and it was not her check. first offense either. Well, and that seemed to be a theme with her. Like it was like the right hand wasn't talking to the left hand when things were happening. And I, I don't see. know, like then like how, well, I mean, I guess it's like seventies. I don't know. Like how things translated in the system, uh-huh. you know, who knows? Yeah. But she's still on probation. People are supposed to be checking on her. So right. <clears throat> anyway, in January of 1982, Dorothea met Malcolm McKenzie at a bar and the two went home together. He realized that he was starting to feel a bit strange and then he kind of like went paralyzed. Like, so his, he was awake, he could hear things, he could see, but his could not move his body. Okay. But he knew what Dorothea was doing in his house and she was robbing him. He like, oh. she like jewelry, money, whatever she could get her hands on. Even like as his hand is dangling from the chair, like takes the ring off of his finger. because he's Oh paralyzed. my gosh. That is a nightmare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How scary. I know. Cause I see that in, what was that? Um, Joe, that showed you. Oh yeah. Remember when that happened, when they were, there was that one season that they did that to each other mm-hmm. <laughs> and like they could see and hear and know everything was happening and they're like, but cannot move. Yeah. It's always so weird to me. Okay. Anyway, so not long after this, she met a woman named Ruth Monroe. She's a pharmacist who had just lost her husband. Oh, so I'm sorry. I should have said he did call the police told she tried to like say it was like, oh, no, he gave me all this stuff. Not, you know, Mm -hmm. I didn't steal it or whatever. And I don't there wasn't really much on like what happened to her on on that case. Interesting. So she meets Ruth Monroe. She's a pharmacist who had just lost her husband and they became friends and decided to kind of move into a house together that Dorothea would then run as a boarding business. So same kind of the boarding house, same kind of okay. thing. Ruth was just kind of a business partner with her. Okay. So they opened a joint bank account together to run this business. And after a short time, Ruth grew very ill. Uh, I think it was 82 that this happened. Cause I'm sorry. I said April. I'm about to say in April. Yeah. Of 1982, her son came to visit her and checked on her. And the next day Ruth died. Oh, Dorothea told her and her, her whole family that Ruth had been very depressed for a while after the death of her husband and she completed suicide. Hmm. And the family kind of believed it because they did know that she was very upset about her husband dying and whatnot. And so but she knew she was depressed though. Yes. Yeah. But they did. Yeah. And they didn't know why, but they, but it was an overdose. So they thought, well, she had already been doing Hmm. it herself. And so they believed it. They were like, this is not out of the realm of possibilities. So Let's believe it. Plus, you I mean, I don't know if you remember, but you see pictures of Dorothea Puente and she's this little old lady. Like, she's not going to, like, lie to you. She's a nice little old lady. If you don't oh. know all of her past, she's a nice little old lady. Hmm. So. Sociopathic. Yeah. So when the autopsy was done, this revealed that she had high doses of acetaminophen, codeine, and a green substance in her stomach. The green substance was due to a drink that Dorothea had made Ruth almost every night before she went to bed and it had cream de menthe in it. Oh. So just that's- Is that like a cocktail or a liqueur or something? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever had a grasshopper or have I ever made grasshopper pie? No. It has cream de menthe in it. It's green and that's why it has, it's green. The pie is because of that cream. It's just minty. Okay. Um, in May of 1982, another woman, Dorothy Osborne, had Dorothea to her house because they were friends and Dorothea made her a drink. And eight hours later, Dorothy woke up to find checks, credit cards, and other items missing from her home. Okay. So we've got this pattern of let's drug someone and steal yeah, from Yeah, she's a terrible thief. Yes, she is. In July of 1982... Dorothea was charged with five felony charges for forgery, robbery, and theft. And she was sentenced to five years in prison. She was paroled in 1985 after only serving half of her sentence. 
Hmm. And then she was on state parole until 1986 and federal until 1990. So the feds were on to her. Okay. As well. mm-hmm. She was, cause she was also, um, uh, cashing federal checks, like social oh, security checks. Right. And stuff like yeah. That. yeah. <clears throat> Sad. She was diagnosed while in prison to be schizophrenic. Mm. And it was suggested that she be closely monitored when she was released. Mm-hmm. This does not, however. Happen. I was going to say, did the ball get dropped? I'm going to guess it did. Oh, yes, it did. Oh. So after this conviction, Ruth Monroe's family went to the police thinking that, well, maybe Dorothea did something to Ruth, mm-hmm. to our mom, like whatever. But they didn't really have any good real evidence to proceed sure. with that. So it ended up getting dropped. Dorothea went on to continue to run the boarding house in Sacramento at 1426 F Street. That- and wasn't that Ruth's house? Mm-hmm, it was. So I don't really... Got- Go ahead. Sorry. They think that she might have had something to do with their mom's death, but she's still living in the house? Well, because they got the house together mm-hmm. to run this boarding oh, house. Oh, okay. And they had a joint bank account and right. okay, whatever, gotcha. which was then emptied by Dorothea, but whatever. So... It was, I guess, hers. So okay, I got you. I thought it was back Ruth's to it. house, and she'd moved yeah. in with her. I got it. And she's not supposed to be running a boarding house, but she ends up doing it anyway. Uh-huh. Parole officers are coming in and out, not asking questions. So I don't know if she's like hiding these people, like or whatever. I don't know, like how they missed all this. But anyway, okay. So she's running this boarding house on F Street in Sacramento that housed mainly older people who were in poor health or they were alcoholic, same kind of people. <clears throat> even though she's specifically ordered not to be around vulnerable people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's even reported that she changed her image at this point by letting her hair go completely gray. And then she started wearing vintage looking clothing so that she looked much older than she really was. To be the trustworthy little old lady. Yes. Huh. Because, yeah. Because, I mean, she just looks like the sweet little old lady because whenever I, we watched my, Emery and I both watched the documentary together and I kept telling Emery every time they'd show a picture of her or a video of some sort of her, I'd say, she's 59 years old. The woman looked easily in the mid seventies, possibly low eighties Huh? by the way she dressed and like presented herself. And he was like, what? She's 59. I'm like, yeah. Uh So anyway, she became a social worker's angel. They all know who to knew who to call if they had someone who needed a home. I and, see. Mm-hmm. One of these social workers was Judy um, Moise, I think, or Moise. Mm-hmm. And in 1988, Judy was helping Bert Montoya, who was a disabled homeless man. He was a 52-year-old man who had the mental capacity of a 10 to 12-year-old. Okay. He was very sweet. They have videos of him, like her asking where, what kind of place he would like to live in. It was like, he just seemed very sweet. Okay. She had been working with him for a while and found him a place to live with Dorothea. After about six months, Dorothea had said that Bert didn't want to be there anymore and asked Judy if she could bring him to Mexico to visit a brother. It's very unclear because I feel like she said her brother, but I want to say it was really his brother that he was. she was trying to get him to go reunite with or not. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Judy was like, no, that's not a good idea. I don't want you to bring him to Mexico. Don't do that. Like, Mm -hmm. just leave him where he is. I'll come check on him in a few days and whatever. Mm -hmm. So she would call to check in on Bert in the meantime, and he was never available to talk. Mm -hmm. Judy finally called her and said, I want to talk to Bert by this day, or I'm going to call the police and say, you need to investigate because I'm going to call him a missing person. Okay. And that's what Judy did because she was never able to produce Bert. So she called Hmm. the police concerned about his well-being, and they went out to Dorothea's home to check on him. Police officer John Cabrera, on November 11th, 1988, went out to the home. He questioned Dorothea about Bert, and she said that Bert's nephew had come to pick him up on, like, the past Sunday to go live with him. Uh-uh. The other tenants in the house said the same thing to the police, except one of the tenants, like, passed a note to Officer Cabrera, and when he opened it, it said, she's making me lie. Oh, she threatened them? I guess. <gasps> this tenant somehow 
gets to talk to Officer Cabrera by himself and informs him that nobody's seen Bert in three months. Oh my gosh, three months? Yeah. So this Sunday, somebody picking him up? No, we haven't seen him or heard from him in three months. So Judy had also mentioned that, because I'm sure at first she probably went out there in like the very beginning, but then clearly her work is done when she's found him a home. So like check in every now and then, but she's not going out. But she remembers that when she had gone out there one time, she had noticed that there was like a mound of dirt in the yard on a few occasions. And so she was like, well, you might want to check because that was kind of weird, but I just thought she was gardening or whatever at the time. Mm -hmm. So Officer Cabrera asked Dorothea if it was okay if he searched her house. Can we look and make sure that Bert's nowhere in this house? Mm -hmm. She was like, yep, go ahead. On the second floor of the house was her like apartment. So that's where she stayed. And all the tenants stayed in like rooms in the rest of the apartment or the house. Okay. In that apartment, they found a bottle with blue pills in it with a prescription label with Dorothea's name on it. And they also found a couple of credit cards with the name Dorothy Miller on it. Okay. That one lady that she had drugged and taken stuff from years ago. She told police at that point that was a relative that had stayed with her for a bit and was gone and like left them and she just hasn't gotten them back to her yet. So okay, which a known thief. Exactly. Like, what are we doing, guys? Right. Officer Cabrera Cabrera in that moment does it because it's not like everyone in the police department knows about her and Mm -hmm. like whatever. So in that moment he doesn't, but he's like taking note of what he's seeing. Mm -hmm. These are the answers she's giving him. So then Cabrera asks, "Is would it be okay if I like dug a little bit in your yard just to check things out, make sure like I'm doing my due diligence to try and like appease Judy because this is what Judy's telling me." Blah blah blah. He just wants to cover all the bases and dig in a couple places, figuring he's going to uncover nothing and just know that he did what he needed to do. And she was like, "Sure, go ahead, go dig in my front yard." My okay. So they started to dig, and before too long, I think that they actually like she actually gave him the shovel to dig with too. Okay, <laughs> they dug she's up a, a nice, sweet old machine. Is. She's like, mm. "Can I get you anything to drink? You know, like, like some lemonade, right? Yeah, may I make you an Arnold Palmer?" That's so psycho. It is. It is. She is. She's freaking nuts. Really nuts. Okay. So not a, not too long after they started digging, they dig up a piece of cloth. And then they find like a few pieces of leather. They're like, okay, well, that's not really anything to be concerned about. And then they hit something and they think it's a root. But as he continues to dig and pulls it out, it turns out when he pulls it out, he's like, oh, this is a human bone. Stop. Like it was a femur. Why would she just let them dig? Because she's an idiot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he immediately calls the coroner to come out. He knew it wasn't Bert because of the amount of decomp- decomposition was too far along for it to be Bert. Okay. Oh, okay. So Officer Cabrera had also thought that this was an old house built in 1898 and that they very well could have be- like buried loved ones in the yard back then. And so he wasn't necessarily being like, well, we can't say we're arresting you because we sure. have to figure this out. We have to know what, what this is. So mm-hmm. calls the cor- coroner out. And I'm assuming she's like, I had no idea that was mm-hmm. there, sir. Yep. Exactly. Bring her in for questioning. And there's her like interview is you see parts of it in this um, documentary. And she's like, I don't know. I don't know who that is. I don't know when they got there. Like, I right. had no idea that because they were like, what are, where are the other bodies? Are there other bodies? And she's like, well, I didn't even know about that one. So how would you expect me to tell you about other ones? Like she's right. very matter of fact and convincing. She's a sweet little old lady. Mm-hmm. Okay. So as part of procedure, like I said, they bring her back for questioning and a tenant who had been living in her living quarters. Apparently there was one man, I think his name was John, that they thought there was a special relationship there. Okay. A man friend. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. And so they brought him in also for questioning. Dorothea denies knowing anything about the bones in the yard. No idea who it is, how it got there. They questioned her about Bert and she insists. I don't know where he is and states like, I wish he would show up right now so that she, he could prove that he's mm-hmm. fine and there's nothing to be concerned of, about. Hmm. Dorothea also states that Puente is her birth name, which police know is not true. Right. 
And they're, so they're just like letting her lie because the guy was like, the more we get her to lie, the more we can like nail her. So mm-hmm, just, mm-hmm. okay. But anyway, I don't know why she thought that she could get away with that. She's not even Dorothy Puente anymore because she had gotten married one more time to a Pedro Montalvo, but he left her after a week of marriage. So she just oh. kept Puente or using Puente for like 20 years after or something. Right? Anyway, they questioned her for a while, but really didn't have anything to hold her on. So they needed to release her. They did come back to the house the next day and asked if they could continue digging in the yard, mm-hmm. you know, unearth whatever else that part, the rest of that body, I guess. Mm-hmm. Officer Cabrera stated that while they dug in her yard, Dorothy Ho was inside throwing back some vodka OJs. Wow. <laughs> screwdriver in it up. Huh? Okay. Which makes me laugh. Like she's just yeah. like, what's going on? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. At some point, that other tenant that lives with her comes out and is like, hey, Dorothea needs wants to talk to you, whatever. So he goes inside and she's like, am I under arrest? And he's like, no, you're not under arrest, but we need to continue digging. And she said, well, this is all making me very nervous. And would it be okay if I go around the corner to the hotel, to the coffee shop and just sit and have some coffee there? And he was like, totally fine. You know, he had no reason to like hold her there because they Uh don't know where this body is coming from to begin with. So he walks her over. To the hotel, drops her off, and then comes back to help with digging. And like 20 minutes after that, they hit another spot and find another body. Oh, my goodness. Wrapped in a sheet. This time a female body. Oh. But when they searched, they had no reports of any like missing females in the area. So they had like, again, no clue who this could possibly be. Mm -hmm. So then they want to know like. The rest of the police squad's like, all right, where's Dorothea? Now we've got body number two. Mm-hmm. We've got to know where she is. Right. So they go to She's find her at the hotel. Gone. Gone. <laughs> In <Dipped>. the wind. <laughs> she dipped. She did. The worker at the hotel said that she had walked in, made a phone call, and walked right out the door and got into a cab. So she didn't, like, waste any time once Cabrera dropped She didn't her take anything there. with her. Nope. Just her little huh. purse and red jacket. Wow. And- Yeeted. After... Cabrera took a lot of heat for letting her get away, but again, yeah. there wasn't much he could hold her on, but they're like, sure. well, now we're finding bodies and she's gone. So anyway, they come out the next day and find that she had kind of dumped a lot of lime in the grave sites to try mm. and mask odor and also to help decompose, decompose the bodies faster. Which but- is not something you would do if you buried, because if they're thinking like, like she said, I didn't bury them there. This might be a graves site, you know, back from mm-hmm. back in the olden days. Like, well, then there wouldn't have used lime. No, you'd wrap them up, bury them, and leave them. Like, right. or, or put them in a box. I mean, I, I was going to say, how about back. that whole coffin thing? <laughs> it's got to be right. regulated. Yeah. 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 I'd imagine. I'm like, anyway. Right. Yeah. There's got to be. Whatever. Okay. So. <laughs> The problem is, is that the lime actually helped preserve most of the bodies instead of decompose them. Not that that's a problem. That's actually a good thing. But Mm -hmm. on the third day of digging, they find now body number three. Oh, my goodness. Been been put in the ground somewhat recently, and there were multiple layers covering this body. And there was a plastic bag over this person's head, which they end up surmising that this had been done because he had been alive when she was <gasps> on the ground. Oh, that's awful. And they do assume that this is Bert Montoya oh. since it had been the most recent one that they had seen. So police decide to arrest John, the other okay. lieutenant that was like living with her with the special privileges. Mm-hmm. And they were convinced, well, he had to have helped her. There's no way this little old lady has dragged these bodies out here, dug all these holes all by herself and put them in the ground. So they're like, he's got to be part of this. So they arrest Uh him because he's the only one there. And he's very uncooperative, uncooperative and ultimately is released after a few days because they didn't really have anything, Uh any true evidence to hold him. Right. Police search the inside of the house as well. They find a driver's license with someone else's name on it and a large Manila, Manila folder with many social security cards inside of it, checks and bank statements of all these different people. Mm-hmm. 
They also find a book that's called 150 Commonly Prescribed Pills, and this discusses all the drugs and all their side effects that Mm -hmm. they could have. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine being a person like living at the house at that time and you think Mm -hmm. you have this like little old lady landlord who's helping you and then all of a sudden these dead bodies are being found in the yard and she's really a murderer and you're just like, I guess I should move. I'm glad I wasn't one of those before. Yeah, literally. Yeah. In one of the bedrooms, Officer Cabrera found an awful odor when he lifted the rug. And so he or all the police are thinking that this is where she kept the bodies. Like, so once they died until she had a hole to put them in. And so their bodies would excrete fluids onto this like carpet, which. Uh So he Uh. called it like the death room or something like that. Oh, anyway. People would mention the smell at times to her and she would always blame, oh, it's an old house. We have drainage issues. Like she would just Mm -hmm. like fluff it off. Okay. Okay. So they managed to track down the cab driver that picked Dorothea up at the hotel. And he told police that he boarded or she boarded a bus to Los Angeles. Well, I don't know if he knew that specifically. He dropped her off the bus station, saw her Mm -hmm. get on the bus. And I'm sure they then asked like, okay, where's this lady? Mm -hmm. Like, where'd she go? So she ends, they find out she's on her way to Los Angeles. So that same day, they find body number four because they just keep on digging. Oh, my gosh. Buried out by her shed, wrapped in a sheet. Police discover that Dorothea had up to 25 former tenants whose whereabouts are unknown. So they're like, because they're trying, they're like, well, who could these be? So they mm-hmm. start like looking into it. And there's like 25 of them that have gone in and out that they're like, right. where they are now. So, oh, my I, gosh. Not our got our work cut out we only have four bodies so are we going to find that many more or are we gonna have to figure out what are these who are these 25 these people are so Mm -hmm. on day four they find body number five under like a patio so like a concrete slab that's wrapped in a bed sheet as well body number six is found somewhere else in that backyard and so then they move because it's not a very big it's not even a backyard it's kind of like a side yard Mm-hmm. the way it's positioned but anyway they then moved to like this small area in the front yard because they ran out of places to dig <laughs> that backside yard and they find body number seven who was seated in a like or is in a seated position and their head hands and legs had been removed so they didn't have a any. seated position yeah so it was like the torso was like up upright but with no head and no legs so it was like this like the butt kind of, I guess. Oh was my like... gosh. Anyway. Weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is, Poli- not... I... how did she bury all of these people with people living in her house and neighbors and never, nobody ever saw and it didn't right. stink? Yeah. I mean, or the something? lime, it was covering up the smell. Oh. In the, in the garden for sure. Or okay. Garden. She does yeah. say she misses. Oh. She garden missed working in her garden. I honestly, okay, so I don't know, and I don't remember if I put this in there or not, but it is speculated that she like was hiring ex-convicts to help her bury. Oh. Because it's never stated that John actually gets implicated in this and that she he was helping her. She very could have. I, we actually don't know how okay. she did all of this, to be honest with you. Police issue a be on the lookout for Dorothea in Southern California and at the border just in case she tries to cross. Mm-hmm. Investigators start to try and identify these bodies. So they find records of all the people who had been receiving checks at that address and they narrow it down to 13 possible people, which is much better than their 25. Okay. In the end, they identify the bodies as Benjamin Fink and they identified him because he had fingerprints in the system because he had a record. Mm hmm. He ident- they identified Dorth- Dorothy Miller, who was okay. that friend who she stole from, but and mm-hmm. that's the license or whatever, or the credit card that was found in her house. Mm-hmm. And they identified her by fingerprints because she was in the military. Okay. She was a nurse in World War II and um, had become an alcoholic and disappeared from the VA hospital in Texas and somehow managed to find her way to California. Her family actually has no idea because when she Mm. disappeared from the VA hospital, they never figured out until she was identified as one of Mm. Dorothy's Wow. They ID body number three as Bert, which was what they thought. The rest of the bodies were identified through x-rays. 
So body number four was Betty Palmer and they identified her because she had had a hip replacement surgery. And so they saw that in the Mm x-ray. The one missing her head, hands and legs was, oh no, she was the one missing her head. Sorry. Betty Palmer. Oh, okay. Body number five was James Gallup and he had had brain surgery. And so they just saw in the x-rays that there had been surgery done. Mm -hmm. And body number six was Vera Martin. And it appeared that she had been buried alive as well. (sighs) based on oh my gosh body number seven was leona carpenter who was the the owner of the femur that they had found first Mm -hmm. that first day and the leather pieces that they found had turned out to be pieces of her flesh oh like okay police issued another bolo for the bodies that um matched the types of death because they're like well She's been out here for a long time. Like, so we've mm-hmm. only found these, but are there, is there a possibility that there's other victims mm-hmm. elsewhere now that we are investigating her and we know that she shouldn't have been running this boarding house and she was doing these scams before, was she just drugging them before and then leaving or was she doing mm-hmm. something similar like this? So mm-hmm. they put out, uh, Hey, are there any cases out there anywhere here near us that could possibly be matching this kind of crime? So they do that anyway. The autopsies performed on all these victims revealed that every one of them had been poisoned. They all Mm. had a drug called Dalmane in them, which is a central nervous system depressant. And all of them had taken that within an hour of their death. So Mm. that's basically that paralyzing drug. So it got them to the point where like they couldn't move so she could get whatever, anything else in their system that she wanted, I guess. Or bury them alive and there's nothing we can do. Oh my gosh. She had been prescribed this pill, which I, no matter what, have not seen, like, why someone would be prescribed that pill. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Unless you take it in such small doses that it's, like, a relaxant. I have no idea. But why somebody would have a prescription of that? Right. Yeah. I have no idea. But she had been prescribed this pill, and she had close to 1,000 tablets in her home that were either prescribed to her or stolen from someone else. Plus, what's her name from the beginning ruth was a pharmacist pharmacist. half wonder if she was like writing prescriptions to herself maybe oh like she oh so maybe she wasn't like prescribed but like right it seemed like she was anyway since she had this book and she knew what it would do Mm -hmm. anyway medical examiners reclassified ruth monroe's death as a homicide okay and she was the first one Mm -hmm. well yeah that we know of okay Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All the other bodies had substances in their system, such as codeine, diazepam, florazepam. Uh, I don't know how to say these next two, but they were like very common in all of them. So it was mm-hmm. like maybe they didn't all have diazepam, but like three of them did. And then four of them would have florazepam. And hmm. they all had multiple things in their system, but okay. they crossed over in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, police in another jurisdiction call Cabrera and tell them about a man who had been found in a wooden box in 1986 near Sacramento Bay. His name was Everson Gilmuth. He was an older gentleman from Oregon. So when they start looking into it, they realize that he had started to communicate with Dorothea while she was in prison in mm-hmm. the earlier 1980s. Okay. He traveled to visit her several times. And when she was released, he drove down and picked her up. Is this like one of those prison prison pen pal things? Yes. Oh, wow. He was a lonely man. Lady. Yep. Yep. Yeah, he sure did. So he lived with her for a few weeks and then disappeared. And it was Uh discovered that Dorothea at some point had hired a handyman to redo her floors And while he was doing that, she said, hey, can I hire you to make me a large wooden box? I've got a whole lot of books that I need to, like, pack up and put into storage, and I just need somewhere to put them. Oh, my gosh. he does it. Poor Ishmael does it for her. Yeah. She fills it up and then tells him, hey, can you help me move this? Gets, I think, a neighbor and him. I don't know. It's very unclear. But somebody helps move this box that actually has Everson inside of it and they wow so they get rid of this box he was found and had and found to have died from similar causes as the other so same kind Mm -hmm. of drugs in his system whatever so this now brings her body count to nine (laughs) on november 17th 1988 a man 
So this is now November 11th is when we are first showing up at her house and knocking on the door. And then she okay. disappears. So now okay. we're now the 17th. A man runs into a woman at a bar in Southern California. He had recognized her from all the TV coverage because they were like, we're on the lookout for this lady. And he was like, oh my gosh, that's her. She's right there. <gasps> so oh. strikes up conversation with him. She's asking him lots of personal information about finances and blah, 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 blah. Like, are you on social security? Blah, blah, blah. Like she's asking tons of questions. So she's like, hey, do you want to, you know, come to my hotel room? Hmm. And he's like, sure. So he's like, I'll do it. Oh my gosh, brave. He called police and let them know where, like, I'll meet you there kind of situation. So she mm -hmm. went to the hotel room. He calls police, says, hey, I think I've got your lady. This is the mm -hmm. hotel she's staying in. This is her room number. Mm -hmm. And police roll up and arrest Dorothea All right. Puente and escort her right back to the Sacramento area to face charges. Dorothea pled not guilty. Her trial would end up moving to Monterey, California, because they didn't think that she would get a fair trial in Sacramento. The prosecution, prosecution had 130 witnesses testify against Dorothy. Dorothea. Wow. Like, I mean, all the people that maybe she came in contact with, I'm sure mm -hmm. all of her parole officers, the people that were diagnosing her in prison, like everyone. People in the boarding like, houses that lived with her probably right. had like, this was suspicious and, you know, that kind of thing. Exactly. Good. It's a whole village of people after you, Dorothy. <laughs> exactly. There was a couple of different numbers on the amount of money of, that they, she had cashed over the years. They were in the tens of thousands of dollars, like 50 to like 80-something thousand. I feel like it probably had to have been more, especially when she was like cashing and donating to those like charities and stuff like that. But right. I guess like just in the immediate um, past, this is what they had discovered. And that she had been killing people for like six and a half years, essentially. Hmm. When the jury went out to deliberate, there was one juror that was just not quite sure of her guilt because how could this sweet little old lady stop it have done all of these heinous crimes? 113 people. Yes. That's and how. one of you is holding out. What? Like, really? Right. Anyway. So <sighs> they spent three weeks deliberating and oh my were gosh. almost ready to declare like a deadlock jury. And I think maybe like the judge was like, hey, just just go chat one more day. Like go have more of a conversation. So they go and the other jurors are able to convince that one juror that she had committed at least three of the murders. Okay. So they found her guilty of two counts of first degree murder of Dorothy Miller and Benjamin Fink and one count of second degree murder of Leona Martin. So okay. she's only convicted of three of the nine. Okay. In the that penalty phase, no sense whatsoever. It though, like, why would she kill those three and not the other six? Like, well, and that's what everyone said. Like, what? Clearly, these are all the same. They're done the same. They're all in her yard. Why are you saying yeah. that she only killed these three? But anyway, it didn't matter to anybody because they were like, "We're still convicting her. She's still going to jail forever." And sure, so whatever we can get, we can get. So in the penalty phase of the trial, she was facing the death penalty or life in prison due to her traumatic childhood and the fact that she seemed to be helping people that reminded uh, of her of her parents. But in reality, she had resentment towards them. So then she would kill and steal them from them. They sentenced her to life without the possibility of parole instead of the death penalty. She was sent to Central California's women's facility in Chowchilla. I like the name of that. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if that's how you say it, but that's how I say I it. I think it is. Sounds familiar. Okay. I mean, it's very, it looks like that's how it should be said. So okay. she maintained public silence for 20 years and then huh. granted a reporter an interview, which I read his whole, like, I don't know, WordPress document on this. And I don't include a whole lot of information because I don't know, it just was very sensationalized and it was fine. And mm. he, got, he got the interview. And so he has the right to like write this whole big thing, but there was a lot of like um, of his own commentary in there about okay. what he thought of her. So anyway, she met with him. She maintained her innocence the whole time that really? he spoke to her and said that she had been set up. She did not commit any of these murders. By who? She, I don't think she said. Oh. The report stated that she showed no remorse when telling the story to him. Right. And 
so she he was like i i think she did it but she literally was just like no effect on it about it whatsoever so hmm. Dorothea ends up dying after 22 years in prison on March 27th, 2011 at the age of 82, hmm. apparently of natural causes. I mean, she was 80. She had a lot of health issues in prison, which she loved sharing with this reporter that spoke to her. Okay. The house that these awful atrocities happened in mm -hmm. is a historical landmark, and so it cannot be torn down like Wait. they do in most of these cases. Oh my gosh! Why? Just because it's Cause like it's a historical so old? landmark, so it's like <gasps> yeah, yeah. I don't know what made it an historical landmark, right. but it already was. Oh, and so like you know, John Wayne Gacy's house, they tore down; it Leveled. remained empty, and then they rebuilt on that property. Uh -huh. But like this, they can't tear it down, so it just sat there because hmm. nobody wanted to live in it. Like they were like, well, these bodies were found. In it. So, yeah. Anyways, sat vacant for a long time, and that is until a very eccentric, this was like the fun part of the research, I think. Okay. Very eccentric older couple came along in 2010. They had come to look at the house next door that was for sale, but noticed that that one was on the market too, and it was much cheaper than the one next door. <laughs> so they were like, <laughs> all right, well, let's look at it. So they inquire with their agent and he was kind of like a little younger on the younger side. So he wasn't like immediately aware of what had happened in that house. So he like, you know, went in, got the MLS listing, dug a little bit into it. And when he sees the notes about it being the Puente house and where all of these bodies had been buried, he's like, who, Tom, Barbara, uh, just so you know, <laughs> this is what happened there. Uh-huh. Well, Tom and Barbara are not phased. They were like, What? He's a true crime junkie. He's like, get out. Really? Ooh, I want to live there now. Like, no, totally literally get in. out. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. no. She said that they, she, or maybe they did. I don't know. This, he had, was married before. I don't think she was, but they were like older couple getting married. Um, anyway, I don't, so I don't know if they owned a bookstore together or she owned it, but somebody, and they were like, oh, we always thought it was haunted. And I never, I don't care. That didn't bother me. So it was like. People would think it was haunted too. And she's like, yeah, it doesn't bother me if they're haunting this place, whatever. It'll be fine. Anyway, okay. so those two, very eccentric. They are very funny people. But okay. So they love the fact that it had an apartment in it, that second floor apartment, because Barbara wanted to bring her mom to come live with them anyway, because she was getting older. And so it was like just set up perfectly. Mm -hmm. So they were like, all right, we're buying it. We're going to try and fix this up and we're going to make people forget about what happened here. Okay. That never happened. Yeah, we're still talking about it. <laughs> People always stop to look. Tours stop by like, you know, like a walking tour and they'll just be mm. people standing across the street and they're like telling them about it and whatever. Yeah. The two decide, fine, we can't get them to forget. We're going to lean in on this. I was just going to say they leaned yep. in. Mm -hmm. So they start decorating differently. Now, be warned. Some of you are going to be offended by some of the stuff oh, that I'm no. saying. Oh, no. Because Emery was like, oh, that's tasteless and whatever. And and they fully admit that sometimes they've gone overboard. But they're like, you know, like, we're not meaning any disrespect to anyone. But that's what oh, Emery no. thought at first when I was telling him. But anyways, okay. So they have a mannequin dressed in the, like, red iconic jacket that she was seen, that Dorothea was in outside. And he, she's holding a shovel. Oh. And she has a little purse with getaway money in it. That is AKA Monopoly money. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> pull it out. There's money. What? They have a few signs that say, it was the awful, awful woman who did it. Don't blame me. Signed the house. Okay. Well, that's kind of funny. <laughs> it is funny. Another sign states, trespassers will be drugged and buried in the yard. Oh my. That's the first <laughs> oh. one that I was like, People are going to be a little upset by this. Yeah. People loved it that would come oh. by. They loved it, including Officer Cabrera, who went to see it because they had two tours done. One was um, the Historical Society, because they're a landmark, wanted to add it in. Now that somebody had moved in, had redone mm -hmm. it, they wanted to add it in so people would go in and see. So he bought a ticket and went in to look at what it was. And he loved that they had taken it, spun it around, and changed mm -hmm. the image in, in a way. The other tour 
was um, they charged people admittance to come see it. And all the money went to the Francis House Center. And this was for homeless people. And they stated that it was a jab at Dorothea Uh as they were helping the people she was supposedly trying to help, but not. Right. So they have added recently a QR code to the outside of the home, which takes you to a 12 minute video that is called The House. The, The House is Innocent. Okay. And it has interviews with Tom, Barbara, Officer Cabrera, and lots of footage of the house and why they choose to fix it up the way they did. And it is very well done. I'm going to link it in the show notes because you've got to watch it. I am. Watching that is what turned Emery's mind around of them being like, oh, this is disrespectful. Disrespectful. Okay. And they have said there's been like two people that have come in and and have been pissed about it. But overall – And they said that they felt like the decorations had run their course at some point. And so they Uh decided to take everything down and change it. And people were mad. And so they took it back out and redecorated it the way Hmm. it was. And that's just the way it is. But they are very interesting people. And I think they're lovely. (laughs) And it's great that they were able to, like, find happiness in here. And anyway, yeah. Yeah. It isn't the house's fault. I agree. No. However, no, for me, it's a no. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, we're talking about it being haunted. Doing that, like sensationalizing these people's death, now it's definitely going to be haunted. Like at least one of them's coming back for that. <laughs> I would be terrified. <laughs> if I wasn't terrified already, I certainly wouldn't be like upsetting that energy yeah you know See, I, my like, mind doesn't go there i mean you have that different like spiritual like energy kind of thing where you're like saging now after all these stories you're gonna <laughs> yes. really sage now because you don't want people coming after you uh-uh, listening to no. this story. <laughs> that's right i do not mess with the dead yeah so but anyway there's the story of dorothea puente and now wow. the current story of the house that still stands and it's being yeah. lived in by a nice older. And I, that's just fine. It's just not for me. Yeah. So I don't. Yeah, I don't know that I. Well, I mean, I think it would depend on what truly happened. That maybe not. I don't know that I would live there. No, it's a fun-looking house. It's like cute. yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for diving in. She definitely was the worst roommate ever, for sure. <laughs> And I did watch that episode, but obviously it's a short episode. So there was Mm -hmm. so much that I did not know about old Dorothea, who totally ruined the name Dorothea. Yeah, I know. Which is a crime in itself. Yeah. I don't really know that I've heard of the name since. Like, I know. Dorothy, yeah. But Dorothea. Well, anyways, thank you so much for that. Thank you to Kaylee for sending that in and being so ever so patient while we <laughs> covered it. Um, I'm telling you, we're halfway done. We are. Look at that. Halfway <laughs> done. And yeah. I'm telling you, these females, it, they are so interesting because I think I mentioned this last week, but like the motives are so different mm-hmm. in females than in males. Mm-hmm. And so like, I guess she would kill people be- for money. Yeah. That was what they and, said her motive was, is like, well, yeah, she but just they also, like it. Well, I, I, it was partially for money, but they were also saying like how it was like, they were all kind of people that were like her parents, mm, you know, oh, like some of them were right. alcoholics and that's why they were homeless or whatever, or mm-hmm. like became alcoholics because they were in the military and, you know, they come back and they're not. Right. Like, and so it was like, she was helping people like her parents, but still mm-hmm. had resentment towards them and was like, hmm, no, yeah, I'm kill you. Yeah. But I think I think a lot of it was money driven. Like she could just live in this house and steal mm-hmm. everyone's money and not <laughs> act like a little buy her old red lady. coats. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's terrible. And she it's really gross to to like make people who are, are like victimize people who are um already victims mm-hmm. of right. something, substance abuse or the system or Right. Uh, poverty or whatever, you know, like yeah. mental illness. Like it's just, ugh, it's, I know. Can't yeah. do it. Can't do She's it. It's despicable. Absolutely. For yes. Sure. Very despicable Dorothy. 
Mm-hmm. There you go. Give her well, a new name. That's right. Um, okay. Well, we hope you guys are enjoying Serial Killer September. Do not forget that we have survivors happening over on Patreon. And those are really interesting too. So if you have considered joining and um, never have, this is a great month for you to just spend three bucks and give it a try. We certainly love all of the faces that we see over there. So, um, think about that and come find us on social media and interact and let us know how you guys are enjoying serial killer September Mm -hmm. and tell your friends about us. Again, it's a great month to bring other people into the closet um, and just kind of show them, you know, they're so sensational. These serial killers, people really love them. I mean, like they Mm -hmm. love that tour and like the kind of rude things that (laughs) people put up. It's like, People love it. We eat it up as a population. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a phenomenon. So, so yeah, it's always our greatest compliment when you tell your friends about us and then they actually like us. That's also fun. Mm-hmm. So, yep, that's it. We'll see you next week for another serial killer lady. And always remember, the world is scary. People suck, especially serial killers. Hide in your closet. <laughs>